This is the Women with Vision podcast, where we get real with some of the leading entrepreneurial superwomen about what it takes to build a business online and beyond with kids, husbands, and everything else. Hey there, superwomen. I am so very excited today to have my next guest, international best-selling author, speaker, and show host, co-owner of Digital Business International and the Identity Revelation Network. She is a, an energy healer, a psychic, holistic practitioner, bioenergetic practitioner, and teaches workshops on Feng Shui, Sacred Healing Wheel, and Intuitive Healing. Beverly Zymet, how are you? You know, if I was any more better, I would probably be quadruplets today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good to hear. Um, first of all, tell me where you are. Um, you are located in the U.S. Where do you live? Well, I usually live wherever I park. Mm -hmm. But this um, situation in 2020 has kind of got me parked for an extended stay in Denver, Colorado. Okay, very cool. You know, I have a lot of... Uh, a lot of women in my my circle for some reason from Colorado, and it's I'm a good not place sure. to be. Yeah, a lot of business women <laughs> from Colorado. But I know that you're an identity revelation specialist, Beverly, and that you help uh, help people to discover their true self by eliminating the emotional baggage that serves no purpose and and holds them back for success. And I know a lot of people are holding stuff from past hurts and things like that. But what? What really led you to that type of work? Oh, gosh. My journey started back in 1974, uh, which was a long time ago, right? Mm -hmm. I had lost my identity. Um, you're talking about a little rebel that was out to, like, you know, make the world or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, But I didn't, I didn't like being told what to do. Yeah. And uh, so I had a lot of issues with my mom. I was second oldest of 11 and uh, just quite a little rebel. Well, I ended up I ended up having sex one night, one time. So say, yeah, it does work one time and you get pregnant. And I was like, I, I knew and I was like devastated. And so it took me five months to tell my mom, hey, I'm pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, she says, well, you know, you don't have to get married. Well, what was I going to do, right? right. Well, so I ended up getting married. Fast forward three years, I had three kids, and I had no identity other than by association. Oh, you're so-and-so's mom, you live at such and such place, you know, all, all of these things by association. And I didn't even have a name. All of a sudden, my name, Beverly, was gone, right? And um, it really... It, it kind of started boosting the anger. I had a lot of anger stored throughout the years. You know, I, I'd fought depression as a child. And, um, but what really pushed me was I, I was, I was out of it. The first thing that was said to me is like, oh, you belong to. Mm. And it was the person I was married to. That was the breaking point for me. It's like, wait a minute, I don't belong to anybody. And that's when I started really, really getting ready to check off the planet. And um, the religion that I was brought up in as Catholic, spent 12 years in a parochial school. Um, it was very religious where I was. It was, it, it was, 
we're talking in the middle of Iowa, farm country, mm-hmm. right? And it was very strong. And um, I came to a realization a few weeks ago that hadn't really hit me. But, you know, I, it put me on the edge of suicide because I, I wanted gone. I, I was over it. This not, this wasn't my life. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And um, suicide was a more accepted option than divorce. Wow. Which was like, oh, my gosh. Because getting a divorce was, that was just totally unheard of. It was the biggest mortal sin on the planet. You got excommunicated from the church. The wow. whole thing, right? And and nobody was going to, you know, I mean, you <laughs> you talk about having this big stamp of S on your chest. Right. Oh, my goodness. But um, what, what led to me, obviously, not committing suicide because I'm here, was I, I took a walk and I gave God a piece of my mind. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, this little girl had a lot of anger and it came out and and I had mentioned that I'm a psychic or intuitive, whatever you want to call it. But I, you know, I paid attention to these little voices. It was my survival. I, so I grew up fighting. But I heard this voice when I was done after about an hour. And it says, who's going to take care of your kids if you're not here? Right. That was a major wake-up call. Yeah. Major, major wake-up call. And it's like, wow. And then I heard my dad's voice. And I heard him saying, you know, if you're going to have these kids, three kids in three years, he says, you're going to have to take care of them. He said, you are going to have to take care of them because your mother and I aren't. We have enough of our own. Well, there was 11 of us. Duh. So it's like, oh, my God, I got to be hanging around for a long time (laughs) because they're all under the age of five. So it's like, okay, so how am I going to do this? It's let's make a deal time, God. I went out of this dead end marriage. Right. I went out of Iowa. I went out of this life. There's, I, I want all these changes. And the voice goes, okay. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <You're the dickhead. laughs> that's what I said. That's it. Just okay. Right. It's like, I have no clue how I'm going to do that. And then the voice goes mind over matter. Now you're talking to somebody in the seventies. What mm-hmm. the hell is mind over matter? Right. And it's like, I have no clue what that is, but um, just tell me what I need to do. Right. Start living your life for you and your kids. Well, I can do that because I kind of had sort of started that already. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really started doing that. And it's like, okay, what can I do, you know, for just me and my kids? Because I'm the one that's going to have to take care of them, put food on the table, put clothes on their back, put a roof over their head, because it's going to be me and them. So I'm going to live me and them. And then it happened. There, The kids' dad ended up in a comatose state. He was a diabetic. He went wow. into a comatose state was in the hospital for two weeks. We didn't know if he was going to live or die. Wow. And I had, there was no money in the bank. I had no way to get food for my children. I went over and I spoke with my mom and dad. My dad says, okay, go down to social services and tell them, you know, what the situation is and see if you can get food stamps until, you know, things change. Mm-hmm. So I did. I waited for about an hour. 
it was not a comfortable place to be. I went in, I told him my story, everything that was going on, that there was no money coming in because he was in comatose state, living or dying, we didn't know. They did all their evaluations and whatever they do, and they said, oh, I'm sorry, we can't give you food stamps because he makes too much money. He makes too much money. <laughs> He's in a comatose state. He's been there for two weeks. What do you mean? He's making too much money. Oh <laughs> right? It's like, didn't you hear what I said? What in this situation didn't you understand? And they just said, there's nothing we can do. He makes too much money. I left that place so humiliated, so full of anger. Now, you have to remember, this is only a few months apart after I gave God a piece of my mind. I went, woo, you know. <laughs> so, I, I drove 12 miles back to the farm, just really upset. And I made a promise to myself that this would never, ever happen again, ever. Mm-hmm. That I would sell my body on a street corner before I would ever walk into a place like that again. Yeah. I got back to the farm. I told my dad what happened. And he he was angry. He was upset. But there was nothing anybody could do. Right. You know, they gave me some money. I went. I got food for my kids. Now it was time to put into action mm-hmm. what that voice said. So it's like, okay, what can I do? Where are my skills? What can I do? Right. right. I was a computer tech, right? A key punch operator. <laughs> there wasn't any of that unless you were in a big city. Right. So it's like, okay, I, I can make crafts. I've done I did a lot of that, so I started doing that. I did a lot of embroidery. I made quilts. I started I started using those little skills. Then I started writing for five different newspapers. I started freelancing. Um I started pumping gas at the local gas station you know when school started and the kids were now they're in school right kindergarten first and second and the person who was coming around to the gas station from the parts store offered me a job selling parts right and I said well I'd take it after the kids got out of school you know after summer was over because I'm not going to work out of the home until my kids are in school full time, then it's my time. Right. And he kept true to his word. And I started selling parts. And that's how I got into the automotive industry and really started to build an understanding of what, you know, what the automotive industry was truly about. And then um, it gave me, go ahead. So is this how you started to, when he was says, you need to live for yourself and your children, right. you started really trying to find ways that you can do that? Right. And, mm-hmm. and making it, you know, making my own, because every dime I got, I put in a separate account so nobody could touch it but me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then when I started working for the parts store, it gave me a lot more money, Right. And um, after a year, you know, the school year was over, guess what I did? I packed up my kids. I moved out of Iowa to Denver, Colorado, and I got my divorce. And, and again, that was, that was one of those big aha moments when I walked out of that courthouse with those divorce papers in my hand and I had my identity back because I went back to my maiden name 
which is the name I use today, Zymet, mm -hmm. right? And I swore when I walked down the stairs of that courtroom, I would never change wow. my name again. Wow. And I haven't. So now you work with entrepreneurs that are looking yes. to be on stage or in the eyes of the camera with professional look creates confidence. You're also guiding them um, in a direction where, you know, they can get rid of the worry and the fear and the anxiety and the doubt, you right. know, so that they can be, speak with more confidence. And really what you're saying is so they can just get their identity back so that they can be them. They can truly show their identity or show who they really are. Well, exactly. Exactly. You know, and we all lose pieces of our identity mm -hmm. you know and and we want to be liked yeah and accepted and recognized so sometimes we do things that we normally wouldn't do because we think we need to do that so we're accepted by the other person right right and so we start to lose ourselves by being what we think other people want us to be so that we're accepted right right N not a good idea not a good idea not yep. a good idea you know and so really start looking at who you are and and here in 2020 we've been given an opportunity to reset that because we have a lot more time to be with ourselves which yeah. sometimes isn't very comfortable especially if we don't know who our identity is right? That's right and you know what looking at yourself sometimes is the most gaggy thing you can do most uncomfortable <laughs> thing ever right oh my goodness it, yeah yeah. And so, but when you start looking at the different traumas and the emotional things, and I look at all, you know, all the baggage that I left behind me because it does not serve purpose. Right. You cannot change what's behind you. You can only change what's in front of you. Right. And if you don't want your future to look like your past, you better change your in front of you. Mm -hmm. That's right. right. And, and that's knowing who you are, believing in yourself, trusting in yourself. And so working and unloading the charges from these negative emotions and the fears, the phobias, the anxieties, the the programming. Oh, my gosh, the programming right. that I had, you know, yeah. growing up, you know, it it was it was a journey, you know, eliminating all that. But the more you do it, the more you want to do it because it's so freeing. Yeah, it's so freeing. Right. And so look at your assets because everyone has those. That's true. Very, very true. Right? What would you say is one of the the hurdles that you had to go through? And I know you talk about your personal hurdles uh, and the things that you had to learn about yourself and your identity. But have you had any professional hurdles that you've gone through with your business uh, you know, maybe when you were working in the automotive business or whatever you were doing, what what are some of the business hurdles that you've had to overcome? Um, well, moving into Denver and then um, I was there for a few months, I think about six months and I was working for a gentleman on commission. It was selling sandpaper to body shops. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I, and I was building up the no like and trust in the, in the, um, the shop with the shop owners and stuff, right? But I was a woman in a man's business. Yes. Right? And this was in the 80s. And um, I was making waves. But I only worked for this guy for about six months because he was really kind of a jerk. And it's like, okay. I had I had a friend of mine that I had met actually out on the road. And he says, I'll give you $1,000. Go start your own business. It's like, huh? With this little girl, I'd never seen $1,000 in one spot. And I said... <laughs> okay <laughs> wow how did he why yeah. did he do that 
because uh, he believed in me. That's amazing. He believed in me. And he believed, you know, and he, he loved my kids. This gentleman fell in love with me before he fell in love with my kids. Mm. It's it was crazy. I'd come home, I'd come from home from work like six six thirty, right, and have to make dinner for the kids. He would be there, have their homework done. He'd have them out in the kitchen. They'd be cooking a meal. I come home and it was done. I'm like, who does this? Oh, and we crazy. hadn't even been on a date yet. <laughs> wow, wow. I'm just serious, right? Well, we ended up we ended up being together for eighteen years, and um, he helped me raise my kids and. And, and then when, you know, he went into my business after we started, cause he helped me do the books. He taught me a lot about business, mm -hmm. right? We were a perfect match. Yeah. And, and we just cohabitated yeah. and lived happily ever after. And after, after those 18 years and the kids were all growing and on their own, we went our separate ways because he knew he was holding me back. Mm. And I was now out of the, you know, kind of half and half out of the automotive business because we sold the sandpaper business and then moved to to Vegas and we just did the detail part of it yeah. and um and I got more into the metaphysics and into what I'm doing here today and the holistic and everything and um we we separated we we still loved each other deeply but we didn't want to hold each other back and we remained friends until he um, exited the planet, which was about eight years ago. Aww. But uh, he was the best dad my kids could ever have, yeah. you know? So, but back to the 1980s, when I started my own business, you know, I started an AMC spirit, which is just a little hatchback car, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I'm serious, right? So when I went on my own, the clients that I had built up, the shops that said, yeah, we'll go with you. Well, you know, talk is cheap. Right. They actually did. So I'd make a call and uh -huh. I'd say, what do you guys need today? Right. And they'd tell me. And I'd go down to the warehouse and I'd get it all and I'd pack it in my car and I'd take it out and I'd give it to them. Right? And you deliver it. Oh, my gosh. Uh -huh. wow. and, I, and I did that. And then I started, you know, money started coming in and... um in four months, I was at $60,000 profit, right? Wow. And I had moved from an AMC Spirit to a station wagon. One of the shops said, Beverly, you got to have a bigger car. So I had this station wagon for 700 bucks. They, they, it had some damage or there was a body shop. So they fixed mm -hmm. it for me, right? right? And so I drove that uh, for two months. And then I bought me a brand new Ram Charger. Oh, my God. Wow. The first new car I ever had. That's right? amazing. <laughs> you know, but uh, the biggest hurdle overcoming was the sarcasm from um, the other the other paint stores salesmen, right? They were all men, right? Yeah. And so the word on the street was that I, I'm sleeping with the guys to get the business. Oh, wow. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Isn't Big that time. crazy? Why can't it you is. just be like a woman in business and you you have to be sleeping with them in order for you to be getting business? That's crazy. That was a sign of the times, you know, and yeah. actually that was probably a good thing that they said that because it's like, and I told them face to face, I said, you think you're losing business now? You better hang on to your shirts, Buckwheat. You're the one who's going to want to be sleeping with them. I right. Hate, right? <laughs> and, and it just gave me that much more drive yeah, to bet. really go beyond the call of duty and, and do that. So I ended up in three years of business. I was now 
in the top five paint stores in Denver, Colorado. And these these stores had been around almost 50 years, most of them, between 40 and 50 years. And this little girl comes in as a wagon jobber because in three years, I had three trucks out on the road. We were in big trucks that were 12-foot beds, wow. right? And, and, and it was a store in there. And we didn't even sell paint to be in the top five. And we didn't even sell paint. Wow. Right? So that was the hurdle was getting over that stigma mm -hmm. but you know what I have to say when when you're in business and you talked about entrepreneurs and what you can do is building that know like and trust yes so important it's it's really important the the shops that I started with for nine years I ended with and the only time that I lost a client was either they sold the business to somebody else or they closed the doors. Yeah. And I pride myself on that. Yeah. And I still do that today. And you work in integrity, you walk your talk, and you get to know, like, and trust. How can I serve you? And How you just serve, serve one step better. That's right. That is right. right. How do you stay motivated? You know, because, you know, now you've changed businesses. You're doing something different. You're doing something, well, really what you're called to do when you're dealing with identity and really helping people, entrepreneurs, right. but how do you stay motivated? Um, I do a lot of meditation. Mm -hmm. I probably meditate on average five hours a day mm -hmm. and uh, I don't sleep much. To me, sleep is overrated. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people ask me, Beverly, how do you, how do you keep your energy so high? And you guys maybe haven't done the math. I'm 70. Next month, I'll be 71. That's wow. what the planet tells me, right? That's amazing. But, but my mind says I'm 45. I've been 45 since 1997 when I hit the road. <laughs> okay. <That's> so funny. <laughs> and because that's my belief system. Yeah. And that's how I stay motivated. You know, it's like, for me, being down after coming up out of the out of the abyss like I did right it's like I'm not going back there are you kidding me mm -hmm. it's like not very nice down there it's dark and it's ugly right but that abyss is your own thoughts that you keep in your mind thinking them yeah the best thing that's really started my direction was when I spoke the word when I started giving God a piece of my mind and I was yelling out loud when I heard what was coming out of my mouth I just it just kept going and going and going and going yeah, yeah. the power is in the spoken word yes don't keep your story in you that's right tell that's your right. story get it out that's right. be an expression of it doesn't matter what other people think of you it matters what you think of you when you speak your truth, you walk your truth, you live your truth, and you will move yourself out of that abyss. And once you get out of it and you get up here in this feel-good zone, why would you ever want to go back there? So good. So for me, it's that meditation, and it's, it's just staying high. It's just staying high on life. You know, every breath, you know, is, is in gratitude, Right. And when you start to understand the energies, you know, you have a positive and negative charge. It's not a good or a bad or a right or a wrong charge. Right. It's, it's you know, right? It, you need the negative charge and the positive charge. Mm 
together yep. to drive you where you need to go. What's your driving force? My driving force became what? My children. Your children. Yeah, of course. Right. And then my driving force became, hey, you're not going to, you're going to, you know, take my name through mud. I don't think so. Right. Right. Let me show you. And I, I was still in that. I'm going to prove it to you. That right. stage. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I did. And, you know, it's, it's interesting till even still today, I have friends from that era that I talk with. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Beverly, I think you're just uh, just an inspiration, you know, for all the things you're doing, you know, still m- moving forward, pushing forward. I mean, I would have never guessed that you were in your 70s. I would have never guessed that you have yeah, a I'm lot just of 45. energy. You're just um, 45, of course. Just, just 45. 45. <laughs> <laughs> how do we keep, how do we find you? If someone wanted to find you and wanted to work with you, uh, how do we find you on the on social um, just under my name, Beverly Zymate. Um, I'm in on LinkedIn under that name, mm-hmm. uh, Pinterest, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Awesome. You know, so just my name. Remember, that's my identity. That's your identity. That's, that's right. my identity, right? Well, right. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I look forward to doing so much more with you in the future. Oh, you know, it's an honor knowing you, Tam. I am so blessed that you came into my life and you've introduced me now to some amazing women. And, you know, I do a a weekly show Mm -hmm. and that has really opened doors for me and met a lot of amazing women who are doing things. There's a huge movement out there and I don't have to tell you this, but there's a huge movement of women supporting women. And it's about time. It's about time. That's right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tim.